In today's rapidly evolving professional landscape, the power of networking has never been more evident. However, with the rise of digital platforms, the way we network has transformed. Over 60% of professionals say they've successfully built a professional relationship through online networking platforms like LinkedIn. Yet, despite these digital advances, the essence of genuine, authentic connections remains unchanged. So how do you create those authentic connections? You want to stay tuned and we'll get into it. Welcome to another episode of the Dapper Dollars Podcast, where we answer your finance questions by the Bitwit style. I'm in Bond, and we also have George as your host for the show. So George, what are we talking about today? Well, in the financial realm, networking plays an important role too. A recent survey found that 70% of high net worth individuals actively seek financial advice from the professional network before making significant investment decisions. This underscores the intertwined nature of professional relationships and financial well-being. So before we introduce our guest for today, we want you to like this video, subscribe to our podcast. That would help the algorithm boost our channel to viewers just like you. So Anna Ben, who are we chatting with today? Yeah, today we have Rachel Simon. Rachel is the Vice President of Privacy at AT&T. She has also worked in key roles in finance and customer care. She has been the co-founder of one of the biggest employee resource groups at AT&T, Women of Finance, and Dine, a social network program where employees can grab a meal with new connections across all levels of the company. Outside of AT&T, she's a speaker and author. Rachel recently released her book, Relationships at Work, where she shares her top 20 tips on how to authentically network within your company. Rachel lives in Dallas with her husband and are proud parents of two young adults. Welcome, Rachel. Hi, thanks for having me. Hey, so as you know, we like to start our episodes with that icebreaker question, but we're going to change things up today. So we'll ask you a set of rapid fire questions so we can gauge your interests. No pressure. So are you ready for it? I'm ready. So as a leader, we're curious to know, are you an early bird or a night owl? Neither. I'm an afternoon <laughs> person. <laughs> That's when I hit my stride. Uh, 10 to 2, th- those are my hours. But I, I have to make it work, of course, in the morning and the evening. But afternoon is my key time. So I think this is a good follow-up question. A song that always gets you to start dancing. How about Don't Stop Believing? Ooh. Okay. Am I showing my age with that one? <laughs> no, not that relevant again. <laughs> if you could instantly master any skill, what would it be? Probably the power of persuasion. I I love learning about other people's point of view, and I love it when they can convince me of something. And sometimes I wish that I could do the same. I like that. Even if you're not in sales, I feel like selling is such a key life skill. Yes. Yes. And then final rapid fire question. First app you check when you wake up or just turn on your phone? Oh, I'm so boring. I'm just going to say email. <laughs> I do check email, make sure, um, check my you're text. you're so busy, right? I, <laughs> I know. I know. So boring. But I do check my email <laughs> when I wake up. I appreciate that. I think that speaks to the leader you are because you're trying to say, hey, look, uh, I want to see how things are going before my MD actually starts. So that's brilliant. Um, so let's kind of dive into things. Um, Rachel, can you share a bit about your, your journey to becoming a VP of privacy at AT&T? Absolutely. Absolutely. I have been with AT&T for 29 years. And it's hard to believe that it's been that long. They say it goes fast and it really does. But when you find a company that you love, you really want to make your whole career there. And I've been fortunate to do so. I graduated from University of Texas at Austin, go Longhorns. And I graduated and joined the leadership development program. 
and I was fortunate to do several different rotations in my early years. I started in call centers, and that's really where I found a niche for myself. And I worked my way up at AT&T. We have levels. We call it first line, second line, third line. So I wor worked my way up through several different levels, did several jobs in between as well. But when I was promoted to what we call a fourth line, it was in credit and collections. And that was a really great pivot for me because it was call centers and big teams, which I knew, but it was on the finance side. And I needed to learn about our bad debt and about uncollectibles and about making different choices to affect the outcome. And so that's how I made my way over to finance. Never thought that I would be a finance professional, but ended up carving out a space that I really loved. Uh, did several roles, payroll, sales compensation, accounts payable, did several roles in finance. You mentioned uh, the AT&T Woman of Finance, something that I'm very proud of. There weren't enough females in leadership. And so we started this amazing group. And I'm so proud of the opportunities that it's given to other women who have come behind me. But you asked how I made my way over to privacy. Well, I was in a finance role and uh, moved over to customer care. And then my boss at the time said, Rachel, we need someone to be our representative for something called CCPA, California Consumer Privacy Act. Said, oh, okay. And that turned into a new passion. So I dove into privacy and you don't have to look far to see privacy in the news these days. It's very topical. And I really found a whole new avenue that I loved. I thought I loved call centers that I thought I loved finance. Now I really love privacy. So I feel so lucky that I've been able to reimagine my career so many times and to be so refreshed and invigorated 29 years in is, is pretty special. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. I feel like that's an important message for everyone to hear because it seems like you're just a very passionate person for what you get yourself into. And so that's why you've always made those great strides in your career. And so I think that's a great message for people out there who are just also starting their career too. So I know you were talking about you're now currently at AT&T Privacy. Privacy, when I think of that word is, you know, you're staying private, staying to yourself. So I know you're all about creating genuine connections. So you know, being being now the VP of privacy. So how do you feel like your role at AT&T is influencing your perspective on networking and building authentic relationships at a corporate setting? Well, everything that I do relies on relationships. And you asked about my career and I told you about the jobs, but what I didn't share is how I got all of those jobs. And so here's what's interesting. We have an internal career path system where you can bid on jobs and you can apply and upload your resume. I have never gotten a job that I've applied for. Let that sink in a second. I'm 100% unsuccessful at getting a job that I clicked on and that I wanted. Instead, I was always tapped on the shoulder by people that knew my capabilities and knew my work and knew my reputation. And that's how I got every job. So it's all about the relationships that I formed, surrounding myself with people that have more confidence in me than I had myself, because I never would have picked any of those jobs because I didn't think I was qualified. Turns out I was. I just surrounded myself in a network of people that knew that I could do it. So relationships have really meant everything to me throughout my career. Awesome. I mean, and that is the perfect segue to my question. So your book, Relationships at Work, How to Authentically Network Within Your Company, I mean, is making waves. Uh, you just have to go on, on LinkedIn to see the comments and the likes and, and everything else. So I guess we, we really want to know what inspired you to write it. Well, let me take you back. So if anybody in my family or friend circle had to put into a sealed envelope, the person that they thought that would write a book one day about networking, 
I guarantee you it would not be Rachel Simon. This has been a shock to everybody, including me, that I have become an expert on networking. I was always extremely shy. I'm an introvert at heart. And people are always surprised to hear that because they mistake being cheerful and friendly with being an extrovert, but that's not it at all. It's where you draw your energy from. And so if you walk into a big ballroom of people, the introverts just get drained from that. Whereas extroverts, they get filled up and they just want to do more. And so I always avoided all of those kind of settings. I tried golf in the early years of my career. I was told if you want to be successful at networking to try golf. So I did. I, I tried it. I got the clubs. I got the cute little outfit and I failed. <laughs> don't ask me, don't ask me how I failed an extracurricular course, but the instructor highly recommended I take it again. And so I did. I signed up again, took the same class and failed that one too. So I said, okay, I'm never stepping foot on a golf course again. And I haven't. And so then I would try things like happy hours. I heard that those are important and handing out business cards and just all of those didn't resonate with my personality at all. And I knew networking is important. So I kept trying to show up in this arena, but it was always a complete failure. And if you're like me and you go to some of these events and you leave without any definitive outcome, like why did I even go? Why, why did I even bother? And so I started checking out of those kind of things as well. But where I realized my strength was, was one-on-one -on -one relationships. And so going to lunch with someone, going to coffee with someone, going for a walk with someone, that's what became my expertise and what filled my soul. And I didn't even realize I was doing it. I knew that I was good at asking questions and I knew I was good at nurturing relationships. And so about halfway through my career, one of the mentoring circles that I led, they asked me if I would put together something on how to network. And I quickly said no, because I didn't know what I would say. I didn't know how to describe anything that I did. And they were very persistent. They kept jabbing me. They kept saying, Rachel, this would be the best circle ever. If only you would teach us how to network. Like, oh, okay, fine. You're, you're, you're good. And so I sat down in a quiet place and I made a list of tips and it turned out pretty good because I paired each of my tips with a real email that I had either sent someone or that someone had sent me. And so I demystified networking about here's how I got to know this person in this situation. And then of course, ended up scheduling some time to get to know them better. And so if it's possible for an unrecorded speech to go viral, that's exactly what happened, that I became famous for this speech that I consistently, even to this day, I probably give the speech once every two weeks to a mentoring circle or to a staff meeting because people are so they're needing this. They're needing human connections and they just don't know how. So every time I do the presentation, someone says, you should write a book. And so I did. And I have to say, the book is really good. The book is really good. And I am so excited to get this out there. I'm scared to death. Let's let's make sure I say that. I'm scared to death. But I'm so excited to get it out there because it's going to help so many people. I've mentioned that I pair all of my tips with real emails. So the book has over 200 examples of what to say um, when you get that lunch or coffee, what to talk about, how to sustain it, how to keep it going. I got a chance to look through it. And I was talking to George about this. It's structured so well to the point that anybody can pick it up and not be intimidated by, hey, there's all these, there's 20 tips that I need to get through before my next networking event. But I love how you structure the little emails and, you know, just get ideas on how to talk to people, interact with people. And you lay that out. And I love that, that, that you've brought that into light in your book. So thank you. Thanks for sharing that. And I really feel like I'm the perfect person to teach this because, you know, if you want a healthy eating, 
um, advice, you kind of don't want someone that 100% of the time has in their life has done healthy eating. It's someone that found their way and found the benefits and that they have a story to tell. So I think that that's why my story resonates with so many people because I wasn't good at networking and had a hard time in the traditional sense and found my way. And now I'm passionate about helping others. Completely agree. It's, it's, especially discovering those challenges. So that way you can relate with those other people who are facing the same challenges, but just don't know how to overcome those hurdles. That's awesome. I agree. I think my part of that book was just the conversation examples. I mean, I remember when I joined Corporate America, there's so many draft emails I had. How do you start to introduce yourself? But, you know, having examples like that starts to get that mindset. Okay. I know how to approach this person and stuff like that. So I thought that was, that was, that was brilliant. Thank you. That was, that was a brilliant touch. Yeah. Hey, we'll get more into the book and I want to eventually ask you, you know, what's your favorite chapter or your tip, you know, but I know in your book, you discussed the importance of authentic networking. Can you explain what that means and how it's crucial? It's really just about being yourself and it's about being comfortable in your own skin. And this is something that I could feel confident saying at age 51 that I wasn't always comfortable in my own skin. I'm very protective, though, of young Rachel, because young Rachel was just doing her best. And now with wisdom and experience, you, you learn more. So if I can tell people something that I've learned, it's to just be confident and be yourself. That That's who people want to get to know. They want to get to know the real you. And so, so many people tell me that they hate small talk. Guess what? I hate small talk too, but you can't get to deep talk without first having small talk. And so what I help you understand is how to create that small talk to then get to that next lunch or to that next coffee so you could get to some of those deeper connections. And then it's being authentic. It's sharing something about yourself and asking questions. It's about being interested, but also being interesting. It's about being inspired, but also inspiring. But when you have those authentic connections, the time just goes very quickly when you're able to learn, but also to share about yourself as well. I feel like I can relate with that easily. Like, I don't know if you know, like, so I have a background in engineering. And if you know, like engineers have a certain personality. And I've noticed myself that I love to, I love deep conversations. And, but that's the thing. It's, you got to start off easy before you get into like the right? heavy questions. <laughs> can you imagine just walking up to someone and saying, tell me your life story? <laughs> I mean, so part of what we do here at the Dapper Dollars podcast is we say, hey, we want to take you to where money meets mindfulness. And so in doing research for, for this book, one phrase came to mind where it says, your network is your net worth. If you could speak to what connection is towards building a strong professional relationship and improving your financial well-being if it's through promotions you know negotiating a raise and stuff like that yeah and, and i don't think i've had an opportunity yet to congratulate the two of you on what you've built and on, on what you're doing i think it's just it's it's so awesome and both of you have important voices that people will listen to so really congratulations and so when you invited me to be on this podcast i was so excited because i really do see the connection between networking and the dapper dollars, um, you know, about, um, about money. And here's why. Because our paycheck is our most important tool for building wealth. It just is that you can't get to those great conversations about should I invest in stocks or bonds or should I do mutual funds or individual stocks? You can't get there if you don't have a base of money. And you can't start talking about saving a certain percentage of your paycheck for retirement and 401k and Roths and everything else that you all talk about, you can't do that without a paycheck. And so where authentic networking has helped me 
And I mentioned that at the beginning when you asked me about my career is my network has helped me to get every single role, every role, laterals as well as promotions. And so today, as I sit before you as an executive, never thought I'd be an executive. Um, but I really have been inspired by so many people that have helped me, mentored me, sponsored me, championed me. And um, all that happens through a network. You can't just wake up one day and say, I want to have a sponsor. Put that onto the to-do list. And by 8 o'clock at night, I'm going to check it off. Or 2 p.m. if it's me. Remember, I'm an afternoon person. You know, but you can't, you can't, you can't just put, get a mentor or put a sponsor on your to-do list. But through networking, through intentional acts, you listen to a panel and you hear someone talk on the panel. And then you reach out to the panelists and say, that was really amazing. Something you said resonated with me. Can we get a cup of coffee one day, a virtual cup of coffee, a real cup of coffee? And then you meet with them and they say, and you say, this, this was amazing. I loved this 30 minute session. Can we do this again next quarter? And then that's how those relationships are built. So when I talked about the people that have tapped me on the shoulder over the years of my career, it's been people that I've had intentional interactions with. And when I say intentional, I don't mean slick and manipulative, but I mean genuine, right? Something they said really did resonate with me, something I want to pick their brain on, a problem I'm stuck on that I know that they could help me with. That's how I've built my network, which again, has propelled my career, which has helped my paycheck, which has helped my net worth. The correlation is brilliant. I appreciate that, Rachel. It's the genuinity is so crucial, I feel like, because that, that phrase is pretty popular. Your network is your net worth. And I think a lot of people are so focused on, hey, I have this many connections on LinkedIn or this many followers on whatever social media platform. But like, how many are those actually genuine? And then it goes back to your, your self-reflection and seeing like, what is that problem or that genuine curiosity that I have that I want to connect with that person to really know? Because some of the interactions can come off very surface level or shallow because you can kind of read that this person is just really just trying to get my name and just trying to get a picture with me because of my, you know, the status or level that I am. But I've noticed that gen level of genuinity is so crucial for creating that authentic connection. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I actually have a name for some of those people. I call them, <laughs> it's not a bad word, um, but I, but I call them the climbers. Mm. And what I mean by that is there are people that are just looking to climb the ladder and some of the nicest people I've ever worked with, by the way, are climbers. But what I mean is that when there's nothing yet left in the relationship for them, they just move on. And that is inauthentic and that is just insincere. And so when you look at my network, I have just as many first and second lines. Remember, I talked about our hierarchical structure here, but you know, first and second line managers in my network as I do executives, that it's all about who will enrich my life. And so when you think about it from that standpoint, don't be a climber. Don't just use people to get to where you want to be. Have those authentic relationships. You know, my husband introduced me to a word that I love. Uh, it's called collectivism. And I don't know if y'all have ever heard that word, but it's um, people that, you know, might click on something on social media and they feel like they did something uh, like okay. I stand with you, yeah, yeah. you know, you, Ukraine, you know, or, you know, or I, you know, uh, click here because I, you know, want to help defeat poverty. OK, that's great. But you really didn't do anything, right? Yes. You just, you know, <laughs> click something. And so, Nirvan, when you were talking about saying, oh, I know so and so and I know so and so. You need to think about it from the opposite perspective. Do they know you? 
<laughs> do they know you? Yes, and yes. so that's how I kind of think about the clicktivism. It's one thing for you to hit like on their LinkedIn, but do you have a relationship? Have you reached out? Have you formed something beyond to have something more authentic? What's your advice on for people, you know, let's just say they're a climber at this point, but then they've heard this episode and they feel like that they need to be their genuine selves. What do you advise them to go back and reflect on all these connections that they've enjoyed, but they've kind of neglected because it's not in their phase of life? Do they let that casually go or how do they reach back out? Or Well, I'll answer it in, in a couple of ways. The first thing I'll say is, does it matter? You know, if it's somebody that you reflect on, you say, I probably mishandled that relationship. Should I reach back out and make things right? Well, you know, if, if it matters to you, then absolutely. But if it doesn't matter, just move on and, and use these tips going forward in your career. Sometimes people hear my presentation or hear what I have to say about networking and they say, oh, I wish I had heard this five, 10 years ago. Okay, well, you didn't. You're, you're hearing it today. I, I love I love the quote that says, the best time to have planted a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is today. So it's not too late to just, you know, to, to change. So the other way I'll answer it, I have changed my leadership style so many times over the years. And I'm so proud of that. That, remember I said, I'm kind of protective of young Rachel because I was doing the best I could. But when you know better, you do better. There's that famous quote by Maya Angelou where she says, "When do the best you can till you know better. When you know better, do better. And so I have changed over the years. And one thing that I do is I am completely transparent to my team when I do so. That I'll say, good news, I read a new leadership book this weekend. <laughs> you know, and I'm, and I'm gonna try some new things and I kind of insert some humor in it. And the reason I do that is because it's confusing to people otherwise. If you're one way on a Friday and another way on a Monday, it's like, whoo, that, that's whiplash. Who, who even is this? But if I say, hey, I, I read something, listened to this podcast, heard this TED talk, you know, wh whatever it is, I, I'm gonna try some new approaches. People have been very responsive to that. So to bring it back to your question of should you reach back out to people, if you put it in that category of someone that matters and you think that maybe they may have viewed you as manipulative and insincere before, say, hey, I, I read this great book by Rachel Simon. <laughs> I read, read, this, read this great book and I, I think that I might have mishandled our relationship in the past or um, I, I think I might have come across as a little bit insincere and that really hurts my heart because that's not how I wanted to be at all but can, can we just have a fresh start? So don't be afraid to change and evolve. That's what makes us great humans. Yeah, I appreciate that. And looking at like, you know, the amazing tips you, you, you've been offering, I, I do want to ask. So in a post pandemic world where, you know, remote work is starting to become more prevalent, you know, it's with companies, that's that option. What do you see the role networking still plays? I would love your perspective on, you know, how the pivot has been like, you know, from being in person to now you have that whole hybrid or remote culture. I, I would love your perspective on what networking represents now. I offer all of the tips that I do about reaching out when someone's new in a job, when you're new in a job, sending thank you notes, you know, all the tips that I offer. But the goal with networking you start it with email, you start it with Slack or Teams or text or choose your digital outlet. But the whole goal is to get a face-to-face -face session. You can't just network over email and have that be successful. So the whole goal is to say, can we set up 30 minutes? Can we go to lunch? Can we go to coffee? Can, can we have a, a session together? And so all of my networking pre-pandemic was in person. I would go to lunch with someone just about every single day, almost every day. 
there's a great book that's called Never Eat Alone. And you don't have to read the book because the title kind of says it all. <laughs> uh, I'm kidding. It's a good book. Um, but the whole, goal, the whole theme of it is you have to eat anyway. You may as well eat with other people. And so I did. So I would go to lunch with someone just about every single day. Then March of 2020, we were sent home. And for all of those years of my career, I was in person every single day. I've never had a work from home job. And for the first couple of months, I was in a complete funk. I was just, I was untethered. It's like, I don't even know how to network anymore. I don't know what to do. And then I had the light bulb that I could do virtual coffees. And I decided I don't like doing virtual lunches because I don't like eating on camera, which is so weird because I'll eat in front of you <laughs> at a restaurant, but I don't want to eat on camera. But virtual coffee, that was great for me. And so during the pandemic, I shifted to virtual coffees. And then when it became a hybrid environment, I would integrate both. And so the best part, I would say, if there was any good part um, for me about the pandemic was I got to see my networking tips in a whole different light that I realized that everything I do applies in a remote environment as well. And is it better to go to a restaurant where you can have some chips and salsa and guacamole? Of course, but I have found it to be equally as powerful to do a virtual. Now you have to turn on your video. Um, I don't find, I have not found it to be as effective if you're just trying to do audio, but um, say, hey, let's have a virtual coffee. Let's turn on our cameras. Let, let's uh, get to know each other. And so working in a remote environment, all of my advice works equally as well. And then for those of you or those of us that are returning to the office, it really is just prime field to get to know people in person that there are so many people on our own floors that we don't even know that we see at the coffee maker and at the water cooler. And um, what I've learned is that people want human connection. And so even though it's scary to go up to someone you don't know, think about how you would feel if someone came up to you that you didn't know. Let's say that you're getting coffee and you said to someone, I, I see you at the coffee machine every single morning. We're on the same caffeine schedule and I don't even know your name, right? That's scary, scary to do. But how would you feel? How would you feel if someone, oh, yes, I'm Rachel. You know what? What do you do? What, what, what's your role? And that's how you form the connections. Remember, I haven't formed my network one ballroom at a time. I have formed my network literally one person at a time. And so, yes, it's scary. I will validate right now for us introverts, especially it's it's scary. But when you think about it from the opposite perspective, how would you feel? How would you feel? You would feel great. I think also what you were saying about the challenges and the self growth, it's, it's a really of kind of facing your fears. And once you've done that, you know, once you've taken that initiative of introducing yourself at the coffee machine, you just find that comfort for yourself. And then you're like, Oh, that wasn't that bad. And then you just keep trying it more and more. And then you just become a natural at it. So I like that, that you just face your fears, you know, take that example from the book and then go, 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 go for it. Hey, so speaking about the book, um, what is your favorite tip or what's your favorite chapter from the book? And explain a little bit more about it and share an example. Well, that would be like asking me to choose my favorite child. <laughs> I can't, uh, I can't choose. <laughs> I, I can't choose a favorite tip. But if I, if if pressed, if, if pressed, I think it would be sending thank you notes. And one of the best pieces of advice that I ever got was from an executive who has sadly passed away now. Her name's Kathy Coughlin, for anybody that might um, be listening and remember her. And she said, Rachel, when you write a thank you note, make sure that it is 
personal enough that you can't just swap in and out somebody else's name. What does she mean by that? You wouldn't just say, you know, thank you for the presentation. It's thank you for the presentation. Here are three things I got out of it. You know, making it personal. I just thought that was such great advice. And so I love getting thank you notes and I love receiving thank you notes. Who wouldn't want to get a thank you note? At worst, a thank you note would be neutral. But no one would ever get a thank you note and think, oh, I can't believe that she took the time to thank me, right? <laughs> and so if you're looking for an easy way, right, if you're scared about seeing as being seen as insincere, an easy way is to do a thank you note for something. There's a thousand ways to do this. Guess where you can learn about all that in the book. <laughs> um, but there's a thousand ways to do that. Thank you for your presentation. Thank you for your mentoring. Thanks for your advice. Thanks for bringing in donuts today. Thanks for uh, helping me get out of that situation. Thanks for connecting me with Joe. Thanks for, um, I heard you said good things about me to my boss. I want to say thank you. So many ways to put this one in motion. And remember, networking is about relationships. And so you're thinking, oh, how is that networking? Because you're building a relationship. You're building a relationship and you're making someone feel good. You're making someone think of you in a warm, positive way. That really is a good one, especially like when we currently are in a copy and paste culture and now you have chat gpt kind of just you know doing everything you want so i think that whole personal side of things it carries weight i have had like some mentees reach out to me and say hey i really did like this presentation or what you said and i feel i resonate more with that than it's more like just something generic they got and they sent to me just because they had to fulfill the thank you note um, that, that's exactly process. right. Yeah. yeah. And um, I get asked a lot about handwritten thank you notes versus emails. And so I'll answer it two ways. The first thing I'll say is you be you. <laughs> so if your mother would never forgive you, if you didn't write a handwritten thank you note, <laughs> then, then do that. But I prefer digital. I prefer an email or a text because it lends itself to two-way communication. If I get a handwritten note in the mail... I probably am not then going to turn to my keyboard and say, thank you so much for sending me that note. But if it's an email, then I can respond back with some kind comments myself. So I prefer digital. I like that. I, I guess, and I wanted to add and maybe have a follow-up question. So you've probably, you know, witnessed an evolution of the networking process, like, you know, from when you started at AT&T, uh, what tip would you say still holds sway, you know, from from when you started to now, you just mentioned like, you know, handwritten notes. I think that is a lost art. People don't actually write anymore. Uh, so what would you say from your experience and what you've witnessed? What is one tip that you say is still being used within today? One of the tips that I love the most that I carry back from 29 years ago is about reaching out when you're new in a job. It is overwhelming to take on a new job, whether it's a lateral, a promotion, taking on something at a new company. And my first couple of jobs that I was floundering in a lot of my relationships, uh, my first group that I worked with, they were such a warm, amazing group. It was a call center environment. They just took me under their wing. And I just assumed that that's how every other organization would be. And it wasn't. <laughs> and so when I took on other roles, I would meet people and I would say, oh, I wish I'd met you three months ago when I was working on this project. I wish I had, had, had met you sooner. And then I had the light bulb moment what if I just asked? So when I became a supervisor, I would ask my team, who do I need to get to know to be successful in my role? If I wasn't a supervisor, I would ask my peers, I would ask uh, my boss, say, who, who do I need to have a relationship with to be successful? 
And it's this simple question that just changed everything. It helped me to hit the ground running in jobs because especially as you go up the chain more, you're expected to hit the ground running more more and more quickly. And so I say, who do I need to get to know? And then I would write a note to 10, 12, 15 people introducing myself, say, hey, can, can I uh, get on your calendar just for us to get to know each other? And that has always paid huge dividends for me. It's kind of like having a rainy day fund because the one thing I know for certain it's going to rain at some point. And so when I have those relationships ahead of time, then when I need them, they're there. And when we have a crisis, I've already known them. We already know about each other's children and vacation plans and family and, and, and their career rather than just diving into a crisis. And so that's what I always do. When I take a new role, I, I get to know people that I, I need to have in my network. Now, if anybody is listening to this and thinking, well, Rachel, that's a great tip, but I'm not new in my role. You can send a note at any time. There is no statute of limitations on this one. You can send a note and say, it's hard to believe I've been in my role for three years and I've never taken the chance to get to know you. We're on these calls every Wednesday at 10 and I don't even know anything about you except that you do a great Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> uh, can we do coffee one day? Can we do a virtual coffee? How would you feel if you got that note? Oh, wow, someone wants to get to know me? Yeah, of course. Okay. So that's one thing that I feel like I learned fairly early in my career that has really paid dividends for me. That's great advice. And I feel like it's it would be embarrassing for somebody to be known as this person only reaches out when they need something, you know, instead yes. of being that person who just is there to help out and right. will also can rely on you if they need your help, you know. And let's face it, our jobs are tough. Well, if you all have easy jobs, whew, I, I, you know, let, let's, good for you, right? If any of your listeners saying they have easy jobs, Kudos, carry on. But for the most part, our jobs are tough and there's not enough resources and not enough funding and not enough capital budget. Fill in the blank for whatever you're going through. So the more relationships that you have, it helps you to solve those issues together. Should we close things out now? Yes. So Rachel current now is the master networker, has also learned a lot from compared to young Rachel, who's been overprotective, hardworking, always done her best. What do you think is going to be the next evolution of Rachel? Oh, I, I hope my best days are still ahead of me. I do. I'm an eternal optimist and eternally hopeful for the future. So I hope I'll continue learning from people. I just love hearing people's stories. I just value diversity and diversity in every sense of the, the word of age and religion and culture and backgrounds and how we grew up in countries of origin. I just love hearing people's stories. And that has made me a better leader. And so I just hope I continue to evolve in that way. I did want to ask just one thing. Uh, one thing I've always liked and loved about you, Rachel, was just how you carried your family, you know, your kids. And so do you care to share what fun thing or important or milestones is happening with your personal life? Yes. Um, I am at the time of recording, I am six days into being an empty nester. <laughs> and so my husband and I have two children. Abigail is a junior at University of Arizona. She's an engineer on yeah. Urban. So she's an engineer. And our son just started as a freshman at University of Kansas and he is a business major. So we are at a whole new season of life. And part of it is boohoo. And part of it is woohoo. <laughs> so, so, so it's a, it's an exciting time of life for us. Lots of traveling. Yes. Yes. The, the goal is to do lots of traveling and, um, to continue to write and to, and to, uh, just carry on this message that I'm so passionate about. I will put in a plug for, uh, for the second book that I'm working on. If, uh, if anybody feels like they've got a good story. 
So my daughter and I are going to write a book on how to network in college, how to network to find your social circle, how to network with professors and students, how to network for internships and jobs. And so if anyone feels like they've got a good story or a good perspective, I'd love to hear from you as we do our research on that. I'm, I'm excited to hear that. Um, also, I mean, just, I feel like the networking game also, like we mentioned earlier, it's more digital now. And so I'm curious to hear all the new apps that younger generations are using to see how they're networking and how they go, go about that. Because it, you know, like the articles are out there, there's a lot more, less interactions amongst Gen Z now. And so how do you adapt to the new times now? But one thing that will never go out of style is wanting to be heard, seen, wanting to be felt inspired as as a human being. And you can't do that digitally. You can use that as an avenue to get that in-person or face-to-face meeting, but uh, you can't just do that digitally. Yeah. Yeah. So how do our listeners get connected with you, learn more about the book, and then will it be on Amazon? Yes, it is on Amazon and it has done really, really well in pre-orders, which has been very exciting. It's hit number one in a couple of categories, which is just fantastic. One thing that I did not mention that I should have mentioned early on is that 100% of the profits go to United Way. So not even a a small fraction, 100% of the profits go to United Way. And so this is a way for me to impact the readers with what they learn, but also for us to collectively impact the community and to raise some good money. So I am Rachel B. Simon. I have discovered there are a lot of Rachel Simons out there. So so the B, the B is important. Um, I'm Rachel B. Simon on LinkedIn. And you could also go to rachelbsimon.com to find out more information. And then finally, we want to thank our listeners who have supported us. By the way, let us know in the comments below if you'll be grabbing Rachel's books and also let us know if you bought the book, what is your favorite tip from the book? If you've enjoyed today's episode, make sure you leave us a review on where you listen to your podcast. And don't forget to share this episode on social media. Just don't forget to tag us at dapper.dollars on Instagram and TikTok. Now, if you want more gems like this, make sure to head over to dapperdollars.com. Scroll down to a blog to access the show notes from this podcast. And last but not least, don't forget to look good, feel good, and do good. See you at the next episode. Bye, y'all.